Well, good morning. Great to be here this morning. And I uh, appreciate Joe Mays filling in for me last week. We went down to uh, Florida. Sharon loves to go to the beach. And uh, I, I like it. I can't say I dislike it. And uh, I sat underneath um, whatever I could get underneath all week long and just read. I got to read... Uh, that book on uh, 10 things every Christian should know about the founding of America. And then I read a biography on Daniel Boone. Interesting dude. Uh, and for any of you people that think it was just a wonderful thing to live back in pioneer days and uh, how great it was in old times, you've clearly never read anything about how it was. And, uh, I mean, Wow. I mean, you, you go, you're fighting Indians, you go, you find your son, they shot him in both hips and then tortured him, you, you, you know, and, and on and on and on it goes. Uh, just crazy, crazy stuff. Um, yeah, but very interesting, and, and obviously he and his wife were people with a, a lot of character and uh, just some really, really strong people, strong women, strong men, and... Uh, it was great, and I started David Crockett's biography, and uh, and so as long as I'm in the uh, pioneering days, I figure I might as well finish it out, and so that was good, and uh, went fishing one day, and uh, Josh caught a, uh, after an hour and a half fight, this uh, eight or nine foot shark that was over 200 pounds, I fought one for half an hour, and the line broke, and I was almost thankful, you know, uh, I mean, you're like... How much longer can this go on? And he's still way out there. I've never even seen him. And I'm like, is this really worth it to me? You know. But uh, I didn't get a choice. The line broke, and so I was set free. But it was interesting. Uh, the sharks were so aggressive where we were um, that, like, when you would catch a fish, there was, like, five or seven big bull sharks around, and they would eat it off your line. I mean, these 10-pound fish. And they were so aggressive, uh, like they were biting the trolling motor. In, in the back, if you fell in, uh, I mean, uh, oh my. Yeah, you could still see the shore for those of you who think, oh, it's safe. It, it just reinforced why I never go in past my knees. And uh, uh, if, if any of you watch Shark Week, uh, you, you will understand. But it was a great week. Good to be back. And uh, like I said, appreciate Joe filling in for me. I'm so glad you're here. Does anybody have uh, any special prayer requests this morning? Yeah, John. Okay. Okay. Just remember him. Yeah, Max. Okay. Just remember that. Anything else? Anything else? Really just praying for spiritual revival. And um, my, oh, my, um, I mean, I'm talking about starting at just Bible Baptist Church, that we would be excited about the things of God and uh, just almost absent in our, in our culture. And um, if you have an unspoken request, if you would lift your hand, Lord knows what's, what's going on. Oscar, do you mind? Stand lead us in prayer, please, brother.
Amen. Go ahead and get in your Bible to 1 John 4. 1 John 4. Got a lot of questions that have been uh, turned in that are related to discipline and character issues, and uh, we will obviously get to those. Uh, we will spend three weeks on uh, discipline, ultimately, and, and then several weeks on how to teach our children uh, good character. Uh, a few questions that have been turned in related to uh, things we've talked about. Is independence a bad thing with little children? Uh, like so many things, there's a balance. See, a, a person who's emotionally and spiritually healthy, they can function among others and they can function independently by, by themselves. You know, ultimately, remember this, every person minimally needs to learn how to get along with their spouse. They need to learn how to get along in their home with their children. They need to learn to get along with family. They need to learn to get along in children. And so there, there is an aspect of all of our character that has to be uh, dependent, so to speak. But then on the other hand, uh, you'll never make anything out of yourself uh, if you don't learn how to function independently. If you have to always uh, be around people or you, you can't find any of your self-worth unless other people are around, you know, that, that's not healthy uh, either. And so what I would say to you is you've got to look at what your children need versus what you want to give them. Uh, if you have more than one child, one of the things you're going to notice is, is that they're not the same. It's so goofy that people are trying to get uh, equality among people in our country when you can't even get equality in the home in the same gene pool and with the same parents. It is an impossibility. And so what you've got to do, you've got to look at your child. Uh, are they a child who uh, functions well independently? then you need to work with them to help them to get along with other people. Sometimes your child might be somebody who they can't play by themselves, they can't be by themselves, they always have to be around other people, and you need to recognize that and help them learn to be independent. And, uh, and, and so really there's no exact answer for this question. Uh, get some wise counsel with the specifics, but your children have to be both independent and dependent, and, and it's your job to recognize, you know, what they need. The question two, the sport my child has been playing for years now requires me to be away from my other children a lot. My spouse isn't around much to help. What should I do? Um, remember this, same, this basic principle. No one will balance your life except you. Your company will not balance your life. I don't care how family-friendly they say they are. When they want something, they don't care about your family. Uh, no secular sport. And by the way, ministry will not balance your life. Other people will take, 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 take from you and then be angry that you didn't balance your family. You must balance your life. And so you have to ask yourself some questions in this situation. You know, is this balancing my life? Biblical priorities are, number one, your relationship with God. Number two, your relationship with your spouse. Number three, your relationship with your children. After that come relationships with parents, relationships with friends, and, and other things. Uh, is this getting your life out of balance? Is your, are your other children going to resent the amount of time you spend on that one child and you don't spend with them? And, and you know, get 
wise counsel with the specifics of your, your situation. Prioritize your life. Here's the key. You balance your life with godly priorities. Uh, question number three, how do I encourage my healthy relationship? How do I encourage a healthy relationship between my child and my estranged family? Should I even encourage this when the family is still against my marriage and my spouse? Uh, the answer depends on why you're estranged from your family. Uh, are you estranged from your family because they're active heroin addicts? <laughs> are you estranged from your family because they're angry you don't show up at their house on Christmas morning? You, you, you know, there's no simple answer. You, you've got to be honest about why you're estranged from your family. You, you know, it is healthy as a parent. You need to teach your child to get along with their family as much as possible. Uh, yes, protect your child. And there are some circumstances, uh, I think they're extreme and rare, when you do need to keep some distance between your biological family. But on the other hand, I think those are extreme, and for the most part, we need to be teaching our children how to get along with people who differ from them on, on this or that or, or the other thing. Um, again, get wise counsel with the specifics of your situation. Question number four, how do you teach your children to control their anger? <laughs> uh, first off, you need to understand this. Getting angry is unavoidable. All right. Everybody gets angry. Uh, the question is not, will I get angry? The question is, what kind of things will I be angry over? And how will I express that anger when I'm angry? And so if you want to teach your children to control their anger, the first thing you need to do is control your own. You know, what do you do when you're angry? You know, there's people probably all over this room, and, and you're fine until you're angry, and then when you're angry, you use profanity. When you're angry, you say mean things. When you're angry, you storm away and drive off. Uh, and, and, and listen, you are subtly teaching your children not how to control themselves. All right, start with yourself. Uh, like I said last week or two weeks ago when we talked about the most important aspect of, of uh, having healthy relationships is to learn self-control. You, you, you know, never give your child anything positive for being out of control. Never. I mean, listen, if they're old enough to understand, just say, okay, well, go in the other room. Why don't you think about this for a minute and come back and ask differently. Listen, some of you are, you are literally raising, don't think for a minute that your child is going to be out of control in your house and then suddenly, someday when they get married, be in control in their marriage relationship. Some of you are raising out of control husbands and wives. You need to start now by not giving them anything positive for being out of control. Um... Question five, how do we reconcile close family members not exhibiting proper self-control? Do we cut them out of our kids' lives? Uh, depends on what they're out of control about. Are they out of control with their eating? Are they out of control with their sleep? Are they out of control with the way they care for themselves? Are they out of control with their morals? Are they out of control with their profanity? I mean, what are you talking about? Um... Ask yourself honestly this question. Am I looking for a reason to be estranged from my family? 
And unfortunately, a lot of people, they're estranged from their family, and it really isn't a good reason. There, there might be reasons why you can't be really, really, really close, but there's no reason to really be estranged from them. And you've got to face this honestly, what really is going on? And, you know, depending on what they're out of control about, you know, listen, it's a part of your job to protect your children from some things. Not everything, but from some things. And again, you know, seek some wise counsel with your specifics. Uh, some interesting but not always serious quotes. Here's the first one. If you've never been hated by your child, uh, you've never been a parent yet, or your children are still very young. And for those of you who are anticipating families or your children are young, you don't get that yet. You will. Uh, question number, quote number two, if you want a baby, have a new one. Don't baby the old one. I, I would to God that people let that in their head. Oh, he's my last one. I'm just going to baby him. Yeah, and then that's good parenting. You raise them for your own glory and, and for your own self-interest. Stop it. Stop it. If you want to baby somebody, take an extra turn in the nursery. Don't ruin your kid. Uh, some thoughts to consider about parenting. Here's the first one. Make sure that prayer for wisdom and the power of God's spirit, a regular part of your prayer life as a parent. I mean, as a parent, every day. Oh, God, give me wisdom. Oh, God, fill me with thy spirit. See, the fullness of the spirit basically, and we're not studying this this morning, it is basically God's spirit speaking to their heart while you speak to their ears. And there is nothing you need more as a parent than that. And God will not bless a dirty vessel. Uh, thoughts to ponder. Here's number two. Do what's right for your child without tearing down rightful authority. It's impossible to always agree with those you respect. Listen, there, it's good for your older children to learn how to respectfully disagree with those in authority and those they respect. That's a part of life. Not little children, it, it, it's different. Uh, today we're just on week six, 14 or 15 weeks. I don't have all the answers. I, I don't even know all the questions. I don't pretend to, uh, to have all the answers. I do know this. I've been around a long time. I'm a people watcher. Uh, I do want to help you. Uh, not only have I raised three children, read a lot of books, and, and again, watched uh, as a youth leader for 20 years what happened with all different sorts of parenting styles. And the foundational question is still the same. Does God know more about what would be good for my child's future than I do? And we're in this particular section on getting along and having healthy relationships. Remember first, that began with a healthy relationship with God. That's the first and the great commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and mind and strength. And then the second commandment, remember that Jesus taught, was like unto it, to love thy neighbor as thyself. Uh, eight times in the Bible, the Bible says, love thy neighbor. Listen, God did not eight times command us to do something that we are unable to do with the help of his spirit in us. 
And the first step to loving other people is basically learning to get along. And that's what we're talking about. And last week, we, uh, two weeks ago, we focused on uh, teaching them to control themselves and then uh, make them do that in an age-appropriate way. Here's the second thing. How can I teach my kids to get along? 1 John chapter 4, in verse 20, 1 John 4, 20. It says, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. Wow, I mean, that is super strong. It says, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Here's the second thing when you're teaching them how to get along. Teach them, force them to get along with the family in your own home. By the way, this statement about brotherly love not only applies in our home, it applies in the church. It's not an accident that in a church God made Christians brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, In fact, God actually uses brotherly love as an example of healthy love. He said through Paul in Romans 12.10, he said, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. Now, any of you with older children would echo what my wife and I would say was that uh, in our house at times, brotherly love was not on display. In fact, it was not on display uh, at times. And to be quite frank with you, that's normal. I'm not implying that it's always going to happen. What I'm saying is that you need to help reinforce the fact that it is not okay to not love your brother or your sister. Now listen, you cannot always force, in fact, you can never force your children to love one another, but you always can force them to get along. Our target as a parent is always the heart of our children because out of the heart proceeds thoughts and behaviors. But understand, though our heart, the heart is always our target, sometimes their behavior is all that we can deal with. And so when their behavior is not right, deal with it. Listen to me, home is the practice ground for getting along with other people everywhere. And so you and I as parents must begin teaching them to get along there. Have you ever thought about this? Why did God put people in biological families? One of the reasons is is so that we could learn to get along. It's training ground for your marriage in your own home. Have you ever wondered why God put such an emphasis on the New Testament church? I know American Christianity doesn't do that today, but almost the whole New Testament is about the church. Nine letters of seven churches, four letters of three church leaders. And then Jesus, when he wants to deal with all of his people in Revelation, he speaks to the pastor of seven local churches. Listen, uh, church ought to be an emphasis. Did you ever wonder why? One of the reasons why is that it's practice ground for relationships. Listen, anybody can get along with people who are just like them, but life is about getting along with people who are not like us. Somebody turned in the question, my kids have healthy relationships with others, but not each other. How can we help this? You have to start by caring about it. You have to continue by deciding, you know what? 
this has gone so far that I need to intervene and get to the bottom of this. Now, most of the time, I think you're better to let things be settled in kitty court. But there are times when you as a parent need to step in and make them get along, get to the bottom of what's going on. Have you ever thought about this? How much easier is it to get along with people that you don't live with? I mean, really, the kids at school, okay, you, you're with them a little while, the kids at church a little while. You're with your brother and sister for hours. Listen, you're not fighting at the church with who gets the Xbox or who gets the shower first. In real life, when we're really blending our lives, as you've learned as married couples, you know what? It's the real deal, and it's lots of issues, and that's why God put us in those circumstances. Be bothered when your children struggle to get along with others in your own home. Don't just decide, well, it doesn't matter. Brothers and sisters always fight. Well, they, they do. But there's lines also that you need to make sure that aren't crossed. I, I'm amazed at parents, Christian parents, who literally in their home uh, let their children live separate lives. I have known parents to each child have a bedroom, each child have their own television, each child have their own gaming system. And you know what each child learns? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, you might not agree with this, but we, uh, though we had bedrooms to do it, we made our boys all stay in the same room. I guess Wally was probably 15, which would have meant uh, Josh was 13 and Caleb was 11, before we even let them spread out. And even then, we didn't let them have a television in, in their room or separate gaming systems. Say, so why? I believe learning to get along is a life skill. Listen, why do you think when you got married you had so much trouble? You didn't have parents that got along. You didn't have parents that taught you how to get along. And now you're in a situation where you don't know how to get along. That's why we're here. We're trying to give something better than what we received. The walls of our home ought not to be an excuse for treating people the way we really feel like treating them. I don't like this whole idea where you're nice to everybody away from, away from home and you're home and you're some battle axe. Listen, you, you ought to be nicest and get along best first with your spouse, then with your kids. After that, other people. In your own home, cruelty and disrespect ought to always bring the most serious discipline. Cruelty and disrespect are huge deals. Now, I get it. You, you can't control what you don't know about. And again, I'm not implying you need to be involved every time, but you know what? When there's cruelty and major disrespect, you ought to get involved. By the way, according to Jesus, even the heathen can love one another. He said in Matthew 5:46, If you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. See, it's actually not even a mark of our Christian love at all until we begin to get along and love those who are different from us. Listen, there's going to be some terrible disagreements in your home. I mean, people are going to be, have doors slammed on them. People are going to have things done. Listen, that, that is normal. What 
is not good is when you just pretend like it doesn't matter. This is a very simple thing to remember. It'll help you when we get to our section on discipline too. We cannot often control what our children do. We can always control how we respond to what they do. By the way, that means as a parent of an older child, you're not always responsible for what your child does. Sometimes it just comes out of their own heart. But you and I always can control how we respond to what they do. Have you ever thought about this? Sibling rivalry is as old as siblings. I mean, the first set of brothers, Cain and Abel, I mean, they disagreed so sharply about religion that Cain killed his brother Abel. Listen, clothing, TV, who sits where in the car, who does what chores, who's in the bathroom first or who's in the shower first. I mean, having disagreements over those, is it's just normal. Do you know how you can help this? Don't pick favorites. Don't lift your hand. But if you have more than one child, your disposition and one of, or other of your children and their natural disposition, it's going to be easier for you to deal with. That, that's normal. Don't let that control you. Listen, Isaac and Rebekah picked favorites among Esau and Jacob, and it divided those boys all their life. And then Jacob, who came from that environment, didn't learn a simple, a single thing, and so he then turned around and picked the favorite Joseph and divided his sons for all their lives. Or decades, I guess you could say. You will really help sibling rivalry in your house by not picking a favorite. You can help minimize sibling rivalry by the way you handle your children. So how do I do that? First off, you need to be honest whether you have a favorite. How about this? Make them teammates at times instead of always competitors. When they do compete, and by the way, I think you should teach your children to compete. Competition is a part of life. It is. There's good ways to compete. There's bad ways to compete. Uh, But what you need to do as a parent is don't let them always compete on the field where one is always going to dominate another. Have them compete in different things so that different ones of them win or lose. Verbally appreciate the strong characteristics of the sibling to the other one. You will have a hundred times when one of your children will come to you and say, well, such and such does this, and they're right. So you should say, well, yeah, they do, but you know, you do this, and they need to work on their weaknesses just like you need to work on yours. And what you do is you subtly teach your children that you recognize that person's weaknesses and you accept them with that and you recognize their weaknesses and you accept them with that and then they learn that, you know what, everybody has stuff to work on. Um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, when it came to day-to-day decisions, uh, if they're all three of our boys want to do something, the first thing they do is they go odd man. You know, boom, boom, boom. One or a two, somebody's going to be an odd man, they're gone. And then the last two, paper, rock, scissors. Super easy. Settles everything. Um, it, it's super easy. 
if that doesn't work, uh, take turns. It's, I can't remember whose turn it was. They will remember. You, you don't even have to worry about remembering. They will remember. Um, when they were younger, I did a lot of things to control who won, to make sure everybody learned how to win and lose. Listen, I, I dealt off the bottom of the deck for Candyman. You know, when they're three, wow, what's that over there? It, it, listen, it is a healthy way to grow up to learn how to win and be a, the right kind of a winner and to learn how to lose and to be a like, the right kind of loser. I didn't say like losing, but learn how to lose. When they're young, you have a lot of control over that. Uh, as a parent, look for some of their natural gifts and help them use them as long as they're productive. I mean, for instance, with our children, I always felt like being a conservative Christian took them out of the mainstream enough that I always looked for mainstream things for them to do. Uh, our boys, we played soccer in the fall. We played basketball in the winter. We played baseball in the spring. So how'd you do all that? Well, first off, we played in rec teams, not select teams, because I didn't care if my children became professionals. And secondly, we just embraced the fact that it's just busy. Uh, for instance, uh, like if they, if they were ever, like, had a skateboard, you know, oh, yeah, that's no fun. That's too bad you're not very good at that. Say, Why? Because I didn't like the skateboard crowd that that would lead to. Hey, we're in a parenting class. I'm just telling you, that's how we parented our kids. I looked how it would turn out. Listen, I, I'm not debating that every child uh, on a skateboard is a, is a thug. I'm not saying that. But listen, if you want to find some thugs, go to the skateboarding park. Uh, when uh, uh, they had friends over, we did not let them exclude their brothers. Now, that's easier because we had all boys, but, but listen, what happened was everybody's friends became everybody's friends. It, it wasn't like Wally had friends over, so Caleb had to hang in his room. He hung out with his older brothers. And listen, if they'd have mistreated him, uh, they wouldn't get somebody over the next time. Now, listen, it, it, it happened. Uh, the one time I was upstairs and Caleb comes upstairs and uh, says, uh, Wally threw my controller against the, the wall um, and uh, he has to buy it. And I go down there and it turns out like that they had held him down, put a dirty sock in his mouth and he stood up and it was coming out of his braces. Listen, you know, that's a 50-50 that's a thing. Like I said, it is all going to go on. Uh, by the way, that kind of stuff, you, you settle it, it doesn't, why, why do you let that stuff bother you? Why do you expect anything other than immaturity out of children? Uh, we didn't take friends and family vacations to our kids were much, much older. Our family vacations were family vacations. Say, why? Building family relationships. I mean, we didn't let our 8-year-old bring a friend. In fact, we didn't let a 15-year-old bring it. Caleb probably got to bring a friend when he was 15 because his brother was 19, and we finally let him do that. 
Uh, we did things as a family. We had family time. We did all kinds of things as a family. Listen, we'll learn about this when we get into discipline, but if all you do are negative things, why are you going to ever have a healthy relationship with your kids? You know, do positive things as well. That's how you build relationships. Uh, there's going to be problems. It's normal. Just don't let grievous stuff go on. Patiently keep working with them. Remember, uh, God gave you to them for many years. And the first step towards loving your neighbor is getting along. Go in your Bible to Acts chapter 17. Not only if we want them to have healthy relationships, do they need to learn self-control? Not only do they need to learn how to get along in the home. And remember, it, when, when, when someone's relationships, their key relationships in, in life are a mess... I mean, understand that no matter how much other success they have in life, they will never be happy. You can make a billion dollars, and if every relationship in your life is nothing but a mess, you will not be happy inside. This is an incredibly important life skill that we, A, learn ourselves, and B, do everything we can to teach our children. Here's the third thing. How do I help my Children get along. Uh, here's number three. Teach them, force them to respect people who are different from them. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 24, Paul is speaking here, and he says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Did you see verse 26? God has made all nations of one blood. What that all simply means is that all races and all groups of people, they descended from Adam and Eve. There really is just one race, the human race. All of the natural differences that occur in us occur because God, in some ways, made each of us better or worse. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? In other words, if you have facial features that people find attractive, listen, you didn't earn that. It's a gift of God. If your IQ has three digits instead of two, you didn't, see, you didn't earn that. God chose that. What that means is we have really no reason to look so proudly on ourselves for what we have that is considered good, nor do we have any reason to look down on others who don't have the things we consider to be valuable. I don't have to go into any detail. Everybody in this class knows that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In fact, Jesus loved the people who crucified him while they were driving the nails in him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Listen, those people couldn't have been any more different from Jesus than anybody possibly could. As they angrily killed them, killed him, he forgave them and loved them. God loves people of all races and cultures. I want you to hear both these statements. All races are equal before God. Though you could make a case that the Jews are special. Listen to me. Here's the second statement. Not all cultures are equal before God. Race is not a choice. 
There is really no such thing as race. The amount of melanin in your skin is not a choice. But the culture we choose is a choice. Cultures are better or worse depending on whether they are in line with the word of God. Anybody who says, well, all cultures are the same, that's so stupid. Do you realize some cultures used to uh, eat their enemies? Because they believe that when you consume their brain or consume their heart, you got their life force. Now, is that equal? <laughs> Listen, cultures are good or bad depending on how they relate to the Word of God. By the way, not every aspect of American culture is good. Part of being godly, part of being like God, is to find love for people of all sorts. And our children need to learn to get along with more than their family and the people who are like them. Listen, if your children can only get along with adults, something's wrong. If your children can only get along with your family, something's wrong. Did you hear me? That's why we're there. We're there to teach them to get along with people who are different ages from them and the same ages as them. We're there to teach them how to get along with people in their religion and who are not in their religion, who have a similar amount of melanin in their skin and who have a different amount of melanin in their skin. We are there to help them. Listen to me. Every child will be opportunistic at times. That's true in the church, too. You say, why? Because church people are still just people. Every church, if it's a healthy church, has people at all different places of maturity in their life. I get so, I don't say anything usually, but when, when, when people say, oh, those people or those, shut up. What you're really saying by that is that group of people over there has a different set of strengths and weaknesses than you, and you're overlooking yours and you're condemning theirs. That, that's what that statement really means. Listen, getting along with people begins at our home, but it does not end there. <laughs> have you ever wondered why God lets people in your life who are not like you? They're not as bright, not as beautiful not as knowledgeable, don't understand as much about life as you do. do you, why, why are they in your life? Did you ever think maybe it's not so you could look down on them, maybe it's so that you can be an influence on them? Did you ever think that God on purpose brings some people to Bible Baptist Church just because he wants us to help them? I, I didn't say I believe you ought to be a member of Bible Baptist Church and never contribute. I'm asking, did you ever think that God brings people on purpose here sometimes because they need our help? And again, if you and I protect them from everything, and we should at times, they will not become emotionally and spiritually healthy. Practically speaking, uh, we never used or allowed any racial slurs in our home. Uh, my son is back there. I would think if you ask him privately, has he ever heard me make a racial slur? He would say no. I would hope, because I don't think I ever did. We put our boys on secular sports teams. 
I wanted them to learn how to get along with other people. But on the other hand, when those kids wanted to hang out, it just wasn't convenient. Because I wanted them to have their best relationships with the people at the church. By the way, that's one of the reasons we moved close to the church. So that it would be easier to have relationships with people in the church. Remember, getting along, it's learned behavior. Uh, our oldest son, Wally, he's a very, uh, especially as a child, very independent uh, type of person. He wanted to take karate. We said no. He, he did not need an individualistic sport. <laughs> he needed to be in a team sport. You need to recognize the strengths and weaknesses of your children. Um, when our children were in conflict with other children, and by the way, it happened a lot in our house. Don't be talking to me about how strong-willed your children are. I can tell you stories. Uh, I can tell you stories of terrible things that were done to our children by other children and adults. I could tell you stories of terrible things our kids did. Say, why? Because people are people. That's why you're there. You are there when those things happen to have a teachable moment, to show them this is how you conduct yourself when someone behaves differently. This is how you handle yourself when you're mistreated. This is what you do in the church with someone who's different from you, someone who's wrong. All these are teaching opportunities. When conflicts came up, we talked about what to do, what to think, what to say, how to pray. Uh... Almost never did we get uh, involved. And when we did, 99% of the time, it was never with the other kids. It was always a private conversation with a parent that our kids didn't even know about. We just considered things that happened part of childhood. I never considered uh, people, kids, did stuff to our kids. Why, they're the devil. Oh, come on. Well, you, you really think your kid's always an angel? Uh, we kept our children around kids their age as much as possible. You say, well, that would mean they would have more bad influence in, his life, in their life. Yeah, it did. Uh, they, we put them in their own age Sunday school class, their own age children's church. When there was children's choir, we made them go to children's choir. When there was children's program, we made them go to children's program. Now, I didn't care if they sang solos. I didn't care if they had a lead part. It was just a simple principle that whatever your age is doing, that's the age you are, you do it. Your kids will have problems. That's normal. With the wisdom and grace of God, just work through them. Uh, remember, our goal is not a good kid, that we love to have a good kid. Our goal is a successful, independent person of faith when we're done with them. Amen? Uh, you should have a little square, write something down on it, whether it's a smiley face or some snide remark or an honest question, then fold it and set it up here on the steps. Next week, I think we're going to start three weeks on discipline. Uh, we, we've got a lot of that stuff to, to do. And um, God bless you. You're dismissed.